everyone. Welcome to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures, and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders. My friends call me Jay. Today, I'm really excited. I'm always excited to introduce the new people. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not, but today I have with me a most vibrant, beautiful soul who I came across through a professional speakers unleashed group that I host along with my cohort, Dr. Drew Brazier. And oh my heck, I'm so excited for you to hear her story and to hear what she has to share. I had a great conversation with her a couple of days ago as I was trying to figure out like what angles and aspects of her we could bring out. And oh my heck, so today I have with me Rolinda Stotts. She is an artist, she's a mother, she's a wife, and she also told me that she is a creatrix. You heard oh, yeah. the biceps, right? I said creatrix. So we're going to leave it there and say, oh my gosh, what is a creatrix? Oh, yeah. So, oh, I have to tell you, I am also a grandmother. <gasps> I hear yeah, it's really best. cool. Okay, so creatrix. I am a creatrix, which means I actually create beauty in people's lives using oil paints orchids and are you ready pudding well (laughs) you just said pudding yeah chocolate pudding it has to be chocolate i've tried butterscotch it doesn't work forget vanilla even though i love vanilla (laughs) chocolate has to be chocolate and now you must explain further oh my gosh orchids orchids chocolate pudding chocolate pudding okay i'm baffled tell me more okay Do you remember, maybe you weren't like me, but in school when I was probably in first grade, the very first art project I remember was doing this awesome pudding painting. What? Yeah, seriously. It was spectacular. And the best part was um, the teacher, you know, it was on this shiny, glossy paper and, you know, we used our hands. It was messy. We got to eat the pudding after, but the best part was she hung our beautiful art up on the walls and we got to admire everybody's work. And then when we took the painting home, the pudding had dried because it was several weeks later. And guess what I did on the bus? <laughs> I ate my pudding painting. Please don't tell me you liked your painting. <laughs> I totally liked my painting. It was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, uh, that is something I probably would do. As I, I'm thinking back and thinking, okay, as a kindergartner, first grader, I remember doing like the bright, when you said this, the shiny paper, Yes. I remember like the green and the red and the yellow yes. and blue, like finger paints. Of course. I'm trying to decide if we, I, I don't have a memory of pudding, but I, the little kid in me as you're talking is wanting to lick my fingers. <laughs> So it, so Jackie Wireman, big old shout out to my kindergarten teacher um, and Mrs. Zuger. I don't even know her first name, but Mrs. Zuger, my, my first grade teacher. I love those women. Um, but this is what's really cool. In the workshops that I teach, we use orchids as inspiration, but we use pudding and that shiny paper and we do food painting. Oh my gosh. And there are several rules to this activity. The first one is you get a very limited amount of time. And the second rule is once you're done with your pudding painting, you sign it, you date it, and you take a photograph of it. And then the last rule, you have, have (laughs) not quite. (laughs) I know, shucks, you probably could, but you have to throw it away. That's a toughie for people. You know what, though? It is the most liberating thing that you could ever do to somebody is say, this is a limited experience. Don't worry about mistakes. Because the reality is my artwork, the oil paintings that I do are called Bella Rota, which means beautifully imperfect in Italian. Now that's my translation. (laughs) Bella Rota. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and said beautifully perfect. I'm writing this down. Yeah, blue, beautifully imperfect. Oh, imperfect. That yep. is one of, oh, I love that. Im- imperfect. Opposite is one of my not Imperfect. <laughs> You're doing it perfectly imperfect. I love it. I, well, and I, I, yes, because that is actually one of my favorite sayings to remind myself and to remind other people that you are perfectly imperfect. It's supposed yes. to be this way. You're just the way you're supposed to be. 
or you'd be something different. Exactly. Tell us those rules again. A limited time, then they yep. have to sign date and photograph take a, it. Take a picture. Yep. And then throw it away. Throw so it away. Some of the reactions when people hear the rules and they're at the point of, I've got to crumple this up and I crumple it. Maybe they don't. <laughs> and throw it in the garbage. Okay. So you can actually see this on video. It's, it's quite entertaining. Um, on orchidstories.com, there's a cute little short video. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, uh, there is something, the joy in people's faces, like they have so much fun and I'm sure it's the intoxication of the chocolate, (laughs) you know, and knowing that it doesn't really count against who they are. It's just a moment in time of an expression, but the part, I think, frankly, from my perspective, now you would need to ask these pudding paintings, what they feel. But from my perspective, my favorite part is actually going around and talking about each of these paintings, <laughs> like paintings, these pudding paintings, and giving some feedback and watching people start glowing from the feedback. Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't really matter. Like all of us, what we're creating is our own expression and helping them identify their individual voice. That's the part I really get excited about. Throwing it away is just a fun, you know, explosion. Right. <laughs> like blow it up, you know, thing. Exactly. But it takes all the pressure off. Well, wow. so do you tell them ahead of time that they'll be throwing these away? Or do you let them go through step one? Oh, no, no, no. Step two? I, I, I let them know. Because this Good. is the other thing that I've learned as a professional artist. I create these magnificent things that in my heart I'm so in love with. But if I'm too much in love with it, if I make it mine, like if I say this is mine, it will never sell and it will never go out in the world and never create joy for anyone else except for me. And it becomes a very selfish act. But by me going... I think that's such a powerful point that you just brought out because we do as human beings have a tendency to identify with, attach to the things in our lives, especially the things that we created and because we think they're ours yeah and i love they're not just, that you just said that that it's just something that came through us yes continue to make it ours then it stays ours and it doesn't go out and bless the world or have that exchange of energy where someone um pays gratitude through dollars and thank you for bringing that up yeah so so really um what it does is it takes all the pressure off they still can capture it with that photograph and keep the memory of it just like I do. Like I photograph everything I do, but by knowing in advance that they're going to release it and let it go, it takes all the pressure off and they just play. And it really is about an exercise in play. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to borrow this. And of course. Are you okay with that? Of course. In my mind, I'm thinking, I know a few people right now who this would benefit hugely in their life. Yes, so of I course. Sharing that. And, and if you're listening today, I would encourage you to maybe do this as an activity with your families. If you've got little kids or, or you're in a place where you're a, a rule follower or you notice that you identify and you, you want to hang on to, get out the pudding and the slippery paper. Yes, it heals perfectionitis. Oh, and and is- truly, all of the lessons that... Um, I have learned and that I'm now open that all of the lessons that my art teaches and all of these things that have come into my life have led me down this path to finding out that we are all beautiful as is. So the Bella Rota is just a physical manifestation of a beautiful as is life. And, and quite frankly, the, the real magic. So this whole pudding painting thing is actually um, in my, one of my 12 steps to this beautiful, beautiful as is life. And it's called play. So so true, but we forget how to play, right? We forget how to play. And, and honestly, if you, if you're these families and these individuals that I've worked with, even these corporate groups, what's so cool is we call it refrigerator painting. So we start out with pudding, but right. you graduate to sriracha sauce. 
Oh my gosh. And my favorite is like <laughs> it's, looking your hands on that one. <laughs> don't like don't lick the brush. <laughs> but or even marchino cherry sauce. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh so you just pull out stuff out of your refrigerator. It could be even the tomato sauce from your pasta that night. And just five minutes after dinner, before you clean up, do some freaking cool like food painting. I am totally going to do this. Um, yes. You know, when I was, I was talking to you the other day and, and I was listening to you talk about all your creativity and my creativity side has, you know, kind of got crunched down and trying to uh, learn how to be professional and have a career and grown up entrepreneur, right? I grown ups. I'm not a grown. I tell people, you don't ever have to grow up, but I think for a time I kind of have grown up. And so hearing you talk about this, like my inner kid is like jumping up and down on the bed inside me and like little monkeys and I am totally doing this. I'm gonna do it with with my my wife and daughter that live here and I'm I'm gonna take pictures and show you. Okay. See and this is what I'm hoping. Post them on Facebook. Yeah. Like this is gonna be so much fun. All of the different things. And for me personally, having an orchid there as my muse. Right. And and really painting every night from that orchid that is what just swells your heart and you fall in love with this orchid. But what the orchid is doing is just reflecting who you are. You start hey. seeing your beauty. You speak my language, sister. Aww. <laughs> Putting play. an orchid. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah have me at play. <laughs> oh, I love it. So you keep talking about orchids and I am so, I'm like really excited to get to that part of the story because I cannot wait for our listeners to hear about the value of orchids in your life, the meaning and where it has taken you and this new venture that you're on. But before we get there, yes. I'm always curious about asking my conversational partners. I don't like to call these interviews anymore because it freaks people out. <laughs> my conversational partner for the day. What were you like as a kid? What were your hopes and dreams? Were you, I, I mean, we obviously know that some of this art could have come from kindergarten and first grade. Thank you to Mrs. Zuger and Jackie. What's her last name? Jackie Wireman. Wireman. Mrs. But, Wireman. Yeah. Oh, look, you guys created, helped create this amazing person. So tell us about you as a small kid. What, well, not even just small, just like in your childhood, were you a rule follower? Did you play then? What did you dream about? <laughs> okay. So this is like, such a fun topic. I love that you ask this question to the people you speak to, you, you share your stories with, you amplify. Yeah, thank um, you. Yes. Um, you know, I was kind of that, yeah, I'm a rule breaker. I break my paintings and I break rules. And I, you know, I remember peeling the paint on my grandma's picnic table. It was like the best activity ever. <laughs> So I love all this broken old stuff and you can see that in my artwork, but I was also, um, I'm a very competitive person. I'm also a very positive person. So I love being happy, oh, but all of that. I'm drawn to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but what's interesting is all that competition shows up literally with me being me wanting to be seen. Yes. It sounds kind of weird. I grew up in a really big family and I, in many ways, I'm like this timid show off. <laughs> yes. But the best way to describe that is I remember I grew up on a dairy farm and I remember as a family, like the big event, like bigger than Christmas was going to the rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I remember going to the rodeo and I don't know, at some point in your consciousness, you actually start becoming aware of who you are and that you're not just a blob of like it moves around. And yeah. Yeah. Like I had my own thoughts and I remember sitting there next to my dad going through the rodeo and seeing the princesses, you know, rodeo Queens and the ropers and the barrel racers and everything. But it wasn't until the very end that I like, jumped out of my seat when I saw the bull riders <laughs> <laughs> and I told my dad I'm like I know what I want to be when I grow up 
<laughs> I want to be a bull rider. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I finally have figured out as an adult why it was so attractive. And it's because a bull rider does, I wanted to do terrifying things that were thrilling, but they had to be in public. Right. And it had to be like this um, like test of strength. I had to do it by myself and I had to have everybody watch me do it. And guess what I do? <laughs> I don't show up at the rodeo. I show up at fine art galleries and I am totally terrified and thrilled in public as my art is completely exposed out there, trying to make a living, trying to get people to say yes to the things I create with my hands. But it's very public. It's very see me it's it's i would say um it's a very vulnerable thing because and and the difference between but first of all have you ever ridden a bull did you ever get to ride a bull no i haven't in fact it's so funny because my dream is to do a photo shoot on at least a mechanical bull (laughs) i have ridden a cow that really doesn't count like i grew up riding cows but seriously not the same yeah (laughs) it's a step (laughs) um but the difference between, you know, is a bull rider is, I guess there's still vulnerability there, but it feels like, um, in, in my mind and heart that bull riding, yes, big public and definitely scary and dangerous. Yeah. Also one of my favorite parts of the rodeo, but then <laughs> what you're doing in the, in the big scary public way is that it feels very vulnerable in that it's you're sharing you like the deepest parts of you and then learning how to not I love that's what I think what I love about the, the pudding paintings is learning to realize that what's out there isn't you it's just something that came through you yeah and but then how do you deal with um the I would imagine there would be thoughts and feelings of like people going to be critiquing or judging my work and how do you separate how do you how do you keep doing that without taking it personal Am I asking that question the right way? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And guess what? It happens every day in every one of our lives. We are designed to be judges for safety. Like we have to make split decisions constantly so that we're safe. And what happens, what I realize is I separate who I am. (laughs) Like just because you might not like what I create or even what I say, what comes out of my mouth has really nothing to do with you. Like, and it has really nothing to do with me. It's your opinion. And ultimately, I really don't care what other people think. (laughs) I, I love this because it's such a beautiful concept. And really, it's not that hard. And yet at the same time, it's a challenge. Okay, so can I just quantify all of this? Please do. Because every time you start to do something new and I'm doing something really new and really terrifying and really public. And guess what? It's scary. It's scaring, (laughs) scaring the pants off of me (laughs) because I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling exposed and I am getting feedback, mostly good, but sometimes, you know, not so positive, but it really is okay because you know why I'm doing it for something bigger than me. And we've kind of talked about this. When I first started creating my artwork and selling it publicly, I did it out of a place of, I need to support my family. We will starve, not literally, but figuratively. Yeah, Yeah, it felt like, and it created this courage and fearlessness inside of me that it wouldn't matter what anybody said. By golly, I was going to make it happen. I, um... I knew that I had something of value and that I just had to find the right person that it, that it would connect with. Right. So really it's about being okay with a no. A no is just another word. It has nothing tied to me. Yeah. It's someone's opinion. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a truth. Yeah. Well, and, and it, I mean, it truly could be their truth, but that, that right. doesn't mean it has to be mine. Like right. I'm, so bottom line is it, we are all being, judged we're all being critiqued mine is very public because you know i'm asking for it like come on especially i do a lot of co-creating i do a lot of um commissioned work and in that process of commission work i'm asked to make changes 
but I love the synergy of like making people's dreams come true and saying, oh, could you add just a little bit of purple right here, Rolinda? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a brilliant idea. I would love to do that. Like that whole process thrills me. That is really cool. So I had a question. Um, oh my gosh, it's gone. Cause I was just like, when you start talking about synergy, I was like, this is really cool. But I did write down a couple other questions that I kind of want to go back to. Oh, the question that I was going to ask you is what, uh, if, if you don't mind sharing, like you talked about being in this place of hunger where you, you really had to step into something that you knew how to do to, to be the breadwinner and the, the money bringer in for your family. Um, you know, do you mind sharing a little bit of what that experience was? I would imagine there are other people out there who are in similar experiences and I'm going to say whether this is the listener's experience or something like unto it, Rolinda is giving you a great example of like you can overcome and move through. Do you mind sharing a little bit? Oh, no, I would love to. I think um, so. I have this theory um, and we have these catalysts in our life. And I, I actually call it the gift model. And this comes reoccurring over and over and over again in my life. And I'm actually really excited that I'm like, like sharing this with your audience because <laughs> I'm so excited. Like I finally cracked the nut. Like <laughs> right. cool. that we have these catalysts come into our lives. And in my particular case, the gift that I received from this catalyst is that I am now a professional artist. I didn't know anything about art as a kid. Like I was not exposed. I mean, we're talking zero art. Like if putting painting, like, come on, like, Wow. Our art department was taxidermy. Okay. That's just, I grew up in an agricultural area. Like hey. we didn't know about, you know, Monet, like, right. I, that just wasn't my exposure. Um, but well, this am I hearing you say that if someone has taxidermy as their art <laughs> in their school or not the findings, am I hearing you say that you're not defined by your past that you've no. become all these other things? Well, actually, it gave me a true foundation um, because really, I know like it's so controversial to even talk about taxidermy. I can't believe I even said that word. But the truth is, it, I, you know, I am not a killer of things. I'm a preserver. Right. I'm a beautifier. And it was such an honor to take these beautiful feathers, right, and, and allow them to have life again. And it was a completely, it wasn't a gruesome kind of thing. It was a very sacred, like beautiful thing. I, I'm like totally off topic here, but no, that's cool. But bottom line is everything that we go through in our lives actually creates this beautiful narrative and story. It's just another thread, another brushstroke in our painting of our lives. And why would we be ashamed of that? Right. You know, whatever it is. It kind of begs the question that just ran through my mind is, why would a person, why would you be ashamed of an experience? It's going to be a little bit different for everybody, but do you mind answering that question? Oh man, that's tricky because it's big. it it brings up all the vulnerability again. Like, yes. um, you know, and that's just the hot topic right now. Everybody's talking about, you know, being vulnerable or whatever, but yes. I, like, it uh, it's cool. And at the same time, we have all these plastic social media lives that, you know, it's just such a contradictory like thing, like and overexposure. Like there's that's this a whole nother topic. Knowing knowing how to share these life experiences so that other people can share their own and come out, but without yeah, sharing the, the intimate details with people who don't deserve to hear them. Really. But but truly it's about being our authentic self. Now that's the word I love absolutely. Authentic. And um what's the other one? genuine yeah just i mean who you are is who you are and the more we hide from who we are the more uncomfortable and sad and depressed and and i'll be honest like my path to bella rota i first used to call it beautiful broken because i was broken <laughs> like it was all about my brokenness had nothing to do about you know, honestly, beauty, even at that point when I first started painting, but it became beautiful. And I started celebrating and embracing that brokenness and saying, oh, it's not broken at all. It's just imperfect. And it's okay. I love that you just said that. I love that because I, 
that's a that philosophy that I personally believe in is that people aren't broken. No. They, have, they may be dented and banged up and you know bashed in and feeling really horrible, but they're not broken. I don't believe in broken. However, at this at, at the same time I say that, I also know that you know there there's a theory of when something's broken or it has a fissure, then light can come in or yep. you know, so I yeah. I believe that we get to have those cracks, but I still don't believe that it's necessarily broken. Oh no, it's spectacular. But okay. back to this catalyst, um, the catalyst was kind of 9-11 and the telecom industry like imploding. That's where my husband had this really beautiful corporate fancy job. Wow. And we had just moved to Denver, Colorado. And all of a sudden the job was gone and we have these three little kids. And I tell my husband, you know, in my positive way, (laughs) (laughs) like, oh, I can paint. Why don't I go sell some paintings? And he, in his sweet, I mean, I'm so naive, right? Like (laughs) um, in his sweet, loving, like um, go for it girl kind of thing, but have fun. I don't know what you're thinking. This yeah, is crazy. <laughs> sure. Why not? But um, that's what I did. I started painting and selling paintings and one thing led to another. And so by the time I was in, by the time we hit 2004, I was actually in fine art galleries. Wow. But you talk. You, you Just to recap, you said you didn't really know anything about art other than putting painting. So how? <laughs> Italy, Italy, everything can be solved in Italy. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have, I, I'm a newly young mom, right? And my husband is like this really ambitious guy and he takes us to Italy. We go visit some friends and he exposes me to my first art. Oh, wow. Florence, Rome. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> my eyes were opened and um, I always knew that I was a creator and I always knew that I could make stuff. And it was a friend that introduced me, this beautiful friend um, introduced me to oil paints right before we moved to Denver. And uh, my talent is making things look old and still beautiful, (laughs) particularly I'm hoping it will work on myself as I age. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my laugh lines are beautiful, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so um, that's, it was all about this experimenting. Like I believe a lot of art- artists are mad scientists. <laughs> and all I was doing was experimenting, trying to figure out a way to make a painting look old, just like those frescoes that I saw uh-huh. in Italy. And I stumbled across something really beautiful there's some old, like really cool wall treatments and a combination of that and my woodworking skills and getting critiques from people and advice and inspiration from others. And that ultimately is what led me to what you now see on the walls of, I'm not, this is so crazy to even say, but thousands of homes and businesses across the world, the globe, like India, Kuwait, China, like all over the world, my it, um, even Kansas City. <laughs> even there you go. And hopefully soon, Idaho Falls, Idaho. There we go. I would love to help you with that. So yes. it's it's amazing how this catalyst, my husband having this traumatic experience in his life that rocked our family's life, right. ultimately created this gift of me finding something that I had no idea existed inside of me because heck I was going to be a bull rider. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's what, 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 what are the words? It's uh, big, scary in public, big, scary in public, terrifying, thrilling. In public. Oh, my word. I, I think what I love about this part of your story is I too am a believer that we have so much inside of us. And some of us have have little like inklings or we have these little stirrings of what some of that is. And some of us choose to find out what those are. Others don't even really recognize that that it's going on until we have a catalyst moment. Yes. And and it's not even that we're 
creating something new. We're finally figuring out what's inside of us and how amazing that is for us. And that you can sit here now and say, my paintings are all over the world. It's crazy. And it's such humbling. That was putting paintings. <laughs> I think that's how I got my start. <laughs> but then this catalyst came in, and I love that there's something for all of us. And so to the listener, this is this is my thought on this particular part of this interview is that you have a catalyst. There will be a catalyst that will bring that thing out of you and and pay attention and then run with it like crazy. Oh, the key here, this this is what happens when you have a catalyst enter your life. Many times it will paralyze us. Yes. And the key to getting out of paralyzation is all you have to do is ask one question. And it could be more than one question, but right now in my life, it's one question. And what is that question? You ready? Uh, hold on, hold on, Ta-da! What can I do? Wow. Oh, what can I do? Yes, this is about personal responsibility. This is taking action. But this is the key. It's you have to ask the question and then you have to listen. And I believe that a divine idea will come from that divine part of us. But you have to ask the question before you can listen for the answer. It will not come unless you ask the question. It's a law. Agree. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, scriptures tell us, ask and you shall receive. And so many times, like I've thought back in my own life about how many times I wanted something, but I was afraid to ask for whatever the reason. It's terrifying to ask. Absolutely. Like, again, the judgment, the you're putting yourself out there, the, that vulnerability. And yeah, you just don't know if it's going to be important enough for another person or if they. But when I learned how to finally ask, oh, my gosh, the amazingness of, wait, you, I, you just gave that to me? All I had to do was open my mouth and ask? Yeah. And I think we can't put pressure on on the ask. Agreed. We, we have to be okay with the response. It does, like, that is where this, like, fearlessness can come in is because we're not tied to the answer. Right. Well, we're just have, tied to our part. Right. And, and yeah, I would imagine you've had this experience, too, where in this learning how to ask in my life, I had several times where people were like, eh, no, sorry, or that's not going to work. Yeah. And I didn't, it was the craziest thing because I didn't take it personal. The response I actually gave was, Cool. Thank you for letting me know. I really think this was more about me learning to ask. Of course. it. Yes. And, and guess what? The no just means you need to look for the next clue. And you probably were going down the road, wrong road. Right. And that no, that stop sign on that just allowed you to take a different direction. I love it. No, we're going to reiterate that. No means look for the next clue. Yes. Yes. Look for the next clue. And I've been learning this massively in my life right now. But after you get that divine idea, there's one critical, critical thing. You have to show up. <laughs> right. You have to act. Yep. Nothing's going to happen. You ask the question, you get this brilliant idea. And if you don't take action, forget it. So you I will never, to- ever receive the gift unless you show up and take action. Right. So I have to tell you, that's kind of how this podcast started. Is cool. I was, um, you know, in a space of, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? How I have all these ideas and all of this learning and I want to share it with people. And so about a year and a half ago, I had to start, you should start a podcast. I have known nothing about how to do a podcast. Nothing. So I do what I always do. And I say, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. And then I just jump. Having really, I, I talk to a friend. I'm like, okay, I want to do this thing. And she's like, well, you can put it on this, this platform. And and I, I grabbed a microphone and actually started using my phone. And I would just sit with some friends and interview. <laughs> and that's how it started. And, and it's been fun process to just kind of watch it morph and grow. And now I'm at a new level of moving to the next stage of podcasting. And But what I love about it is if I had not taken that critical step of taking action, I would have completely missed out on all of the beautiful conversations I've had the opportunity to have with people, to share their stories, to share their encouragement, their own life lessons. And so I am a full-on believer and in agreement of that. You must act. Yes, yes. And then the next thing you have to actually receive. 
why is it so hard to receive (laughs) oh my gosh it's like it's right there in front of us and we just have to take it and like oh terrifying to receive the love what like i say what has been the most challenging thing for you to receive okay so that before i answer that question it's actually going on right now and it's because a, a new catalyst has come into my life. Okay, so hold on. We're, let's just go there because I actually was about to say, <laughs> let's move into kind of, because I think what we're talking about fits right into yes. really the biggest part of this interview, that not interview, this conversation that I want to get out to um, everyone who's listening. And so I know you have this new big catalyst and, and this we're talking about receiving, taking action, and so tell us, what is what is this thing and what you're doing about it and what you're learning in the process? Holy cow. So the catalyst is a very painful thing. And that is my friend Stephanie is journeying, journeying with breast cancer. And it's stage four. And I hope I can say all these words correctly. I'm bad with words. But just words. for the technical people out there, it's triple negative mystatic breast cancer. And it is, it's devastating to watch unfold. And when I first found out about this, uh, this, my friend, I I love her dearly. um, It totally knocked me down and I spent a whole day in bed. I know that sounds like kind of silly, but I just, I I was, it paralyzed me. I could not move. And um, at the end of the day, after bawling my eyes out, I'm like, this is not helping her. And so I asked the question, what can I do? Yes. And I love that you just brought that out because I know, as you and I talked about the other day, cancer is something that really affects pretty much just about every way, everyone in one way or another these days, unfortunately. However, I love the point that you said it, it paralyzed me, but I realized that wasn't going to help me help her no no me being in bed crying about it big whoop and and so that's what i want to say to our listeners is we understand like we get it it's it is sad and but a lot of it is what we think about our thoughts about that yes and so instead of like staying in that sad place i'm feel it out i'm not telling you not to feel feel it out but then ask the question yes mind us what you just asked what can i do And, you know, the grieving process looks different for everyone and the time span looks different for everyone. For me, um, it could be it was a day in bed crying. But for someone else who has lost a spouse, it could be two years of paralyzation. We're not here to judge each other. But the key is in order to get out of that paralyzed place, because here I am, I'm a witness right? I'm not the one experiencing the cancer. I would gladly take away the pain if I possibly could. There's no way I can. I cannot change this narrative, but I have to watch it. So as a witness, me asking that question, what can I do? And then receiving that divine idea. And the first divine idea that popped into my head. This is so cool. This is so cool. It was to gift her an orchid not just any old orchid and i feel bad like for these poor puppy milk orchids out there like (laughs) that are at the grocery store i know they're beautiful but um i wanted to get her really special orchid so i went to my friend's nursery in Louisville, colorado and it's spectacular Seventy thousand plants grown right here in colorado and if i remember the story correctly this is a nursery simply for orchids only orchids, yeah, nothing else. I didn't else. know this even existed. Amazing. It's unbelievable. Um, so they go, they educate me about orchids. And again, I, I'm not an orchid person. I never <laughs> saw myself as an orchid. Where did this idea come from? Seriously. It truly was an, a divine idea. Right. Um, so they helped me pick out an orchid that had all of the blossoms closed. So it just honestly was kind of a little bit ugly (laughs) because it just had these sticks poking up um, that were, you know, and then the leaves. And so, um, but the purpose of that was this would bloom, this orchid would actually be with her when I couldn't. 
and bloom over six to nine months as she was going through chemotherapy. Wow. So just a little bit of hope, a little bit of love, something that she could take joy in because honestly, I couldn't give her any food at that point that wouldn't, she was having a hard time keeping anything down. It's like, what do you do? And that orchid could be there when I couldn't. So showing up and gifting her the orchid made my heart so happy. And then it goes back to me constantly thinking about Stephanie and what else can I do? What can I do? And I thought, well, I can paint. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, being in the orchid nursery and seeing all these beautiful orchids, I felt inspired to paint the idea. The divine idea came to paint orchids, but not just any old orchid. I'm talking an orchid portrait, one plant, one painting. So I got permission from the nursery and I went back and documented and photographed 45 orchids. I don't know why 45, but it had to be 45. That's a great number. And um, so I go back to the studio and I start painting orchids every day for the next two months solid with Stephanie in my heart. And I'm talking long hours, diligent and falling in love with Stephanie, falling in love with these orchids and painting my heart out. And all of a sudden, I realized my heart was feeling lighter. I was still hurting for Stephanie, but it, was a, it, it wasn't the crippling pain. It was like this joyful expression of love that I felt like I was just bursting with all of this love. So it was I'm, unbelievable. I'm going to pause right there. And I know that you, you and I can see each other and we're taking video. Our listener right now will just be able to hear the audio of this, but listener... I'm going to invite you to just like close your eyes for a moment and picture the face of Rolinda as she's talking about this because her eyes are, as she started talking about Stephanie and painting these orchids and spending the time in her studio doing this and falling in love, not just with her painting, but with Stephanie, her eyes have changed. Like they are sparkling inside and out. Her smile, she's got more color in her face. Like it's, it's such a beautiful thing, even to watch you talk about this process. And thank you. I just want to say thank you again for sharing it with us. And as the listener, if you're listening to this driving around, I'm going to invite you to just pull over somewhere and really get in touch with what is being said and feel, not just hear this interview and what she's saying, but I want you to feel because it's showing up in, in everything I am seeing and experiencing as she's talking. And I want to invite you to do the same. Thank you. Tell us more. Well, thank you for actually witnessing what's happening externally, physically to me, because internally I could feel this epic change. Yes. Like it was, I can't, I can't even begin to explain how painting these orchids and feeling this love for Stephanie changed me. Like it was crazy. It, it, uh, it was, um, so epic. I'd never experienced this kind of love before at this level. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, this is what a muse is. Ah, yes. Yes. This gift that was given to me was the actual muse. And what was so interesting is as I started thinking about my orchid story, and that's what I started calling it. I called it my orchid story. One morning I was meditating and as I was thinking about all the, you know, my experience and what I was, what I was personally experiencing with these orchids and with Stephanie and with the painting of these portraits, um, the idea, another divine idea came and that was, I wonder if other people have orchid stories. And in the middle of my meditation, I got up and went over to Facebook and posted like, how spontaneous. That's awesome. <laughs> like I, yeah. I'm like, and I, all I simply asked, does anybody have an orchid story? I didn't explain it. I just put it out there. I asked. And I love this next part because when we were talking about before the, the next step after ask is to take the action and then to do what? Receive. And Holy cow. <laughs> what you received was amazing. Unbelievable. Orchid stories started pouring in beautiful stories of hope and love all inspired by orchids now let's let's clarify this just a little bit you didn't say you didn't give a definition to what orchid stories was you just said 
Does anyone else have an orchid story? It was so simple. And, yes. and exactly, I, I didn't need to define it. Because when the right person heard those words, it resonated at such a high level internally for them that then they had to share. And I do have a theory. I believe that we all have a story, but until we share it, it's as if our lives do not exist. That right there is so powerful. Somebody has to hear it. Yes, and it's part of the reason I do what I do in general, but especially the podcast. There you go. You're an amplifier. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So with these stories, though, all of a sudden... This new inspiration starts coming to me about becoming this, this guardian of all these sacred orchid stories of hope and love. And all of I could think about, again, was Stephanie. And I'm like, how cool would it be to put these portraits that I've painted and these stories into a book and dedicate it to Stephanie? Because she is the inspiration for all of this. And that's exactly what has happened. Um, there's now a book called Orchid Stories. Ta-da! <laughs> Ta-da! Like, I've been like so eagerly sitting here waiting for this part to happen. There's a book of Orchid Stories. <laughs> that, but uh, that you as the listener can actually purchase and help out. And I'm just going to, I'm going to turn it back to you to tell more. Okay. So, well, what was interesting about this whole process is, you know, you talked about leaping, right? I do the same thing. I get this great idea. I'm like, cool, let's make a book. (laughs) I I had no idea what terrifying, thrilling public experience making a book is. Like you're talking, you know, like one of my weaknesses is spelling and grammar and, you know, like that kind of stuff to put it all out there and have people say, oh, you got a spelling error on page. Oh, wait, you didn't even put page numbers in this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope, I didn't. No, I didn't. Not on the first round. So I actually made what I call now the limited edition of Orchid Stories. And I printed 108 copies. I hired a friend who's a graphic designer and she helped me throw this thing together. I gave her my ideas and design and she put it into a format that the printer could print and we made this beautiful little book. But this is what was cool. As I started sharing those 108 copies, I started seeing the same thing in me reflected in them. And that was this unbelievable pouring out of hope and love, but not just for people that had their own orchid story, but for people that were asking about Stephanie Stephanie, everybody's like, we're, how is she doing? Give me an update. Like, tell me where is she at now? What can we do? Like, it was unbelievable. And all of a sudden, I recognized that we are all starving for hope and love. And orchids, for some reason, fill that hunger. And it connects us together through this, you know, seemingly, and I say seemingly as a joke, you know, docile plant that's just sitting there. No, I believe there's a conspiracy going on through these orchids. As you're talking, keep talking. I'm going to grab the one that's behind me. Oh, (laughs) that makes me so happy that you have your own orchid. This one actually. Oh, this is gorgeous. Yeah, I can't give, look, it's a little gnome. There's a little gnome that my nephew gave um, my wife years ago. And, but look, it's an air orchid, so it's got these, but check this out. It blooms about twice a year. And so a lot of times it's just a stick. Yes. Just these leaves. And then, then you start seeing the new growth. And this time, um, a lot of times we'll, it's got these sticks that we pinch it up against so that it stays sturdy. And this time when Shawnee pinched it up there, the stem broke (gasps) where all the buds were. And so the, I'm like, we just, what? No, we're not going to keep bloom. But look what's happened. It wanted to bloom, and it created a whole new stem off the end of this that now all the buds are getting ready to. It's beautiful. There is a rebirth out over and over and over again. I look at that every day and think, holy cow, the lesson that this plant is teaching me. 
Yes. Yes. So many people's lives have been impacted by orchids. I truly believe we, and say we, I invite you, listener, we can create a movement, an orchid stories movement, where whether your story involves an orchid or not, when you have a story of hope and love, when you share it, you inspire other people. And not only your, your person that's listening to you is inspired, but you become inspired with as the teller of the tell. Absolutely. It's spectacular. And it truly will change our globe. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like you said, we're starving for these things. And it's a simple act. A simple act. Opening our mouth. But it's, it's so simple, but it's so terrifying. And I'll right. tell you, this goes back to this big ask. So I am a professional artist, right? And I'm making the mortgage payment, um, you know, buying the gas, like I'm paying for more paint. And it, you know, it's, you, you just have to keep doing every day. Right? right. And sometimes, uh, some I'm very seasonal. I show in the most beautiful ski resort towns and I'll just be really honest, like for whatever reason. And I know the reason now I didn't at the time, but my cells were really soft going at, at the end of November into December, first part of January. Like, I'm like, what is going on with the world? (laughs) Why aren't people buying art? (laughs) And ultimately what happened, because I didn't have the money to cat. Okay, let me back up just for a second. Okay, Okay. my friend Stephanie is still battling. The battle is fierce. And I watch her doing everything in her power and all of the people around her to sustain life. And it is hard. And I kept asking, I keep asking the question, what can I do? And this idea of taking this 108 copies, but how can we really make it change the world? Well, if I do that, I need to actually print it overseas and do 1500 copies. Oh. 1,500 people's lives could be changed by hearing these stories. So Stephanie added her voice to the book. She told her orchid story. And along with that, she's also shared the three lessons that she's learned from cancer. And they are spectacular. And the first lesson she talks about is this love that she, um, you know, you fully expect your friends and family to show up for you in times times like this. Mm -hmm. She never in her, like, could ever imagine how the strangers would show up. It's so touching. And as we, we, as she told me this story, it just like, she's so stoic. She never complains but it brought tears, like emotion, like I've never seen in her before when she talked about these strangers coming up because you see her and it's obvious she's in pain. It's obvious that she's dealing with cancer. People come up to her and give her a gentle hug and they say, I'm praying for you. Look her in the eyes and give her love. These are strangers. Okay. And, and really that takes, that takes an aware person to notice and then to, to like pause in their day to give that gift. What a beautiful thing. But for Stephanie to then receive it, right. she, she puts herself out there to receive it. She's not hidden this journey. She's not just gone into the cave, which I would do. Right. I would go into my cave and I would say, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing treatment. I'm not doing anything. I, I'm just going to say goodbye. Like she's, she's put herself out there and become a spokesperson in so many ways of, of hope and love. Wow. Like she's allowed us, all of us to journey with her. That takes courage and guts Absolutely. to, to allow people to see you in your most vulnerable space. Yes. So right bottom there, line, I, I want that, that point right there to just really sit, but it takes a lot of courage and guts to let people see you in your most vulnerable space. Yes. And when we do, we actually bless the lives of other people. Yes. She's inspiring so many people yes. in this journey. Well, and and you are um, witness to that. I am the witness. And 
and I know that that's part of your message is, is being witness, but also, you know, she's through her journey, she has caused you to ask the questions. Yes. And come up with these really good things that now just won't bless her and now able to share her story, but all these other people, it's such a beautiful thing. Well, the part that I didn't know would happen is that Orchid Stories has become this space of legacy. Not all of the stories, but a good majority of these stories all link back to cancer, witnesses of cancer. Even the Orchid nursery owner has a nursery because his father, shortly after retirement, died from cancer. And he told his son, don't don't live like I did. And he left a, a thriving stockbroker career with the firm and everything and opened up a family farm, oh a nursery. And, and Can you believe this? Nursery. Yes, an orchid nursery. Like every time you say that, I'm like, I want to get on a plane and come back to Denver. And <laughs> and I know this was there. And the next time I come, one, guest I'm room. Hook, one, I'm hooking up with you. That's right. I, I'm going to make my reservation and share some space with you. But we're going to go tour that place because I yes. I sense it and I want to be able to go and experience it as you're talking about it and experience it with my body and with my soul and. I'm excited to be able to experience it through the book because I will be getting one, at least one. Yay! And I want to encourage all of our listeners, we're going to give you the website and let you know how you can order them. And, and you know, I typically, I tell, told Linda that, you know, when we do these podcasts and our guests offer stuff to you, I usually get a kickback. Let's just be really transparent with that. It's part of how I make my living. And I am foregoing all of that. Because I want it to make, and not to make myself look good, because I don't care about that. But I feel like every penny needs to go to what you're doing. So give us just like the the wrap up of what it is, what orchid stores you said you have 1,500 new copies ordered. So, yeah, so this is what's happening. They're getting printed right now in South Ooh. Korea. Oh, I love it. And it costs so much money. I can't even begin to tell you how much money it costs. But this is how cool when I asked the question, what can I do for Stephanie? The idea came to have a book signing party for her. So she can see the people that she's impacting. And so we are combining with Roberta's legacy. Stephanie wanted to earn money for Roberta's legacy. So we're doing an art auction. So the painting on the book cover will be 100% donated to Roberta's legacy for the money that will be generated from that. And we are having a giant party on April 9th, 2019 for Stephanie. And we are going to be putting painting. So where, if if some, I want to come. That's such a busy week for me. So tell me where, and our listeners, if they were to, you know, want to hop on a plane and come and join in this book signing party with Stephanie and helping create this movement and this legacy, where would one go? Okay, so How's it's this, work? yes. So bottom line is go to uh, the website Orchid Stories, multiple stories, orchidstories.com. And we will make sure that this is written in the notes. Great. Thank you. And what I'm asking, this is where the most terrifying ask I've ever had to do in my life. Do it, baby. Because guess what? This book, the timing of it, I don't have the cash to flow this thing, (laughs) let alone float it. (laughs) And we need these books here in time for this party. And they we're cutting it so close. Like we need to get this party done for Stephanie while she can really enjoy it in her body. And um, on April 5th, the books will be delivered. (laughs) Like we're cutting it so close, but I need to make the next payment for these books. One third. I already got the first third. Thank you so much for all the people. You can buy a box of these books to gift. So if I love that you just said that buy, don't just buy one, buy a box. Make, become part of this movement, share this love. And by pre-ordering the books now, you're actually helping get these books here in time for the book signing party. But you will be changing people's lives by sharing this message. And you know what? If you don't have the $32.50 for the book, share the message. Because Orchid, and you can even submit your Orchid story on orchidstories.com. So lots of opportunities for you to enjoy in this 
uh, process of sharing love. And it, it takes a lot of courage to say, hey, come join it. But if I didn't have the, uh, the need right now to say, come participate, we would not be speaking right now. You would not be listening or hearing this story. And I want to add to this. As, as you and I were talking on Wednesday, I think it was, it was really interesting to see how this kind of all came full circle and especially with some of the events that are going on in my life. So I, I do a lot of things. I'm a mo- very multi-passionate person. I just love life and I love people. And I love bringing out the best in people. And so part of, of what I do is I am the race director for a trail race here about 30 miles north of where I live. Um, it's called the Spitfire Ultra Trail Challenges. And if you're a runner, uh, especially a trail runner, we have a 5K, a 12K, a 25K, and a 50K. Holy cow. Right? It's so amazing. It's run on a the second largest tufted volcano in the world right here in Idaho. It's so spectacular. And part of our proceeds go to a place called Camp Magical Moments, which happens to be a cancer camp for kids. No, a camp for kids with cancer, ages seven to 11. Again, it's local. It's about 45 minutes from me in the country. It is, the woman does the most fabulous job. Her name is Ann Walsh. And so there are lots of ways to contribute. And so I'm telling Rolinda, like I do this thing I also just got invited to be a star. Uh, Idaho Falls does this thing called Dancing with the Idaho Falls Stars. Uh, cool. Put on by the American Cancer Society. And so we're, I get to be a star for this event and help raise money for the American Cancer Society. And then I also <laughs> am in training, getting ready to start a program at the our local YMCA for the Live Strong at the YMCA or it's a, it's a class for people who are in the progress somewhere of cancer, whether they just started or they're, you know, in remission and are survivor of many years. And so this is, it's so full circle for me. And when I was talking to, I was just touched as, and really paying attention to what's going on for me and the beautiful opportunity that I have to share your story and the stories that you've collected. And it Thank is you. Honor to add this to the things that I'm doing. And I would invite our listener, if any of this touches you, go on to orchidstories.com. You can pre-order a book, help get those things paid for. Um, I know that Rolinda's uh, put up a lot of her own funds, not a lot, she's put up her own funds. And it's a scary thing. And to want to be able to recoup that, but then to uh, get it out. Let's get these 1,500 copies sold. Buy a box. Share them out. If you know organizations who would be interested, please share this out. Orchidstories.com, where you can pre-order the book or a box of them. You also can submit stories there. And let's let's get this movement rolling a little bit faster. But also, the biggest, the biggest key here is help you make it happen for Stephanie while she can still experience it in her body. If you're interested in, in any of the things that I'm doing, I will post those in the in the notes as well. There's lots of ways to contribute, and we just invite you to do that. So, Belinda, amazing. amazing. Thank you. And again, I wish our, our – I probably may just post this one just raw as it is, uncleaned, uh, which is what I do with most of them anyway, so that people can see your face. Oh. Just, oh. No. I want them to see you as you talk about this because yeah. you glow and your eyes sparkle and you can see like, it's just like bubbling up in you as you speak. Uh, Thank you. So would you be okay with that? If we just. Absolutely. I'm a witness and now you get to witness and I I'm at this moment, I am fearless <laughs> because I'm hungry. I guess I, I have so much passion for this, this opportunity and this movement. It has to get out there and it doesn't really matter what I look like or what I sound like or what I even say. I have to do my part. That's right. Cause it's bigger than us. It is bigger than us. And it's bigger than all of us. And we get to do our tiny little part. I think that's what's so beautiful. We're not expected to, I can't, I can't save anyone. I can just share my story and invite you to share yours. And then I can be the curator and the voice of these stories. And that's exactly what's happened. But this is how cool. This is only volume one. I know it's scary to say that. Like I'm throwing myself, this is volume one. And so, so if you want to help contribute to the to the future volume, again, 
go to orchidstories.com and share your stories. And share your stories. Right? Okay, any any last words before we finish up? This has been so much fun. I feel like we could talk forever, and I am <laughs> looking forward to coming back to Denver. <laughs> Yay! I have a guest room, so yes. I'll clean the bathroom. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for allowing my voice to be heard. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And again, I, I am a full believer that we all have a story and we all have something important to share with the world, no matter what it is yes, or how it's shared. And so it's it's an honor for me to be able to listen to people's stories and, and, and yours today and then to be able to share them out because I'm a full-on believer that when we find the courage to do that big, scary thing, whether it's riding a bull or opening our mouths and talking, that we've opened doors for other people to do the same and that the world can only become a better place doing so and so it's an honor for me to be able to have this platform to today listen to your story and to share it out for other people thank you you're welcome it's my honor and so to our listener i hope you have enjoyed this as much as i have and that you have found some value in this whether it's from getting yourself into a finger painting with pudding or whatever you've got in your fridge or you get onto orchid stories and you share your story or even the fact that you learn to ask ask the question and then start taking action and be ready to receive amazing things will happen for you if you've liked any of this i invite you to share it with two people imagine what will happen if one person shares it with two people and then those people share it with two people it's exponentially will explode the amazingness that's going on here and the legacy and movement of orchestra stories and if you liked it even more than that i would invite you to donate to the podcast and help us to continue bringing you amazing people, beautiful content so that we can continue all these amazing movements and bring light to the world when it really, when it really matters. And with that, we're going to leave it like we always do and say, you got to believe in yourself and no one else can.